Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Listen In Podcast. I am Sean, here with my co-host, Jake. What's up, people? And we're on episode 89. 89. Um, good year in music, Sean. Was it? Uh, yeah, let's let's take a what look. Was, what came out in 1989, Let's Jake? take a stroll down memory lane. Okay. That's like Is that the, the, that's my musical cue for 1980. Taking a stroll down yeah, memory, the memory lane. Oh, okay. Musical cue. Weird. Uh, <laughs> Glad you contextualize that for the listeners and me. Especially since I've never done it before. <laughs> Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys, which I love. I think you're iffy on. Do, I've listened like once. That's the, right, that's or the you problem. Ju- you just didn't love it, yeah. right? Doolittle by Pixies, Disintegration by The Cure. Um, Full Moon River by Tom Petty. Actually, I think we fall off a bit of a fucking oh, cliff. Oh, so here. maybe it's not as strong as Memory Lane would uh, suggest. Batman by Prince. Oh Mercy by Bob Dylan. Steel Wheels by The Stones. Oh, mm. 89 is kind of gross. This is not that good. Let me see if I can find one more. Get, yeah, get Oh, get oh a, get hey, we'll, we'll end on this note here. Uh, Bleach by Nirvana. I was going to say, yeah. That's okay. a good one. Okay. Here's what we had for history in 1989, Jake. Race riots occur in uh, Overtown, Miami. Stockton Massacre. Uh, Patrick Edward Purdy kills five children. Yikes. Uh, Starting off with a bright note. But, Jake, George H.W. Bush becomes president. And and we enter into the probably 15 years of American history that are the most boring and therefore probably the best to live in. Honestly, yeah. Here's something that I didn't know Bush would have been in favor of. This is what he did that same year. Bans the importation of certain guns deemed assault weapons into the U.S. That does not seem like a uh, Republican thing to be doing. Here's the thing, and I'll keep this very brief. But today I was listening to a podcast, The Daily by The New York Times. It's very worth listening to, listeners, if you haven't listened to it. It's astounding how much more moderate... Republicans were even with George W. Bush because they played yeah. this in, in this clip of George W. Bush being like, "We should have mercy on illegal immigrants who wow. grew up in this country. We should work like basically work toward amnesty." It was like Obama. Wow. In, in the, he he had sort of a soft spot because he grew up in the South in Texas, and it's like to think where we're at now. It's just such a different climate. It's, crazy. it's like nothing a Republican would come out and say. No, now. absolutely not. It's crazy how divided. Things have become. Uh, sure. Uh, and then the final one, on a fun note here, we had the Game Boy come out in 1989. Oh, Nintendo released that. little escapism. Yeah, a little, we all need that sometimes. So yeah, I think so. Here's what we have on the agenda for you today, listeners. We are talking about the new LCD sound system album, American Dream. American Dream. Uh, that's, that's right. How, how no one has photoshopped James Murphy's face onto Stephen Colbert's face on the Americone Dream container is beyond me. That'd be laugh out loud funny. We can call upon our listeners to ask for that. We, I think we have some with Photoshop let's, skills. Let's get on Big that. Big shout to Hunter. Let's get on that, Big listeners. friend of the pod. Uh, we have a Mount Rushmore for you uh, and then a quick trim the fat. So it's probably going to be a shorter episode than what we've had over the last few weeks. Hey, that's all right. Which is probably a good thing for you guys. Yeah, and last week we gave you two pods. Although I guess if you don't listen to Game of, or watch Game of Thrones, you didn't probably <laughs> listen to our second podcast. But there you go. That's okay. That's okay. All right, let's get into our main discussion here. Uh, it's a it's a hot thoughts, Jake. Yes, it is on LCD Sound System's new album, American Dream. It's their first album since This Is Happening came out in what was that? 2011, 2010, 2011, ten. I was 10. looking today. Wow. I think it was May of 2010, which Ooh. seems crazy. Either I thought maybe even Spotify was wrong, but that's what it said. <laughs> it was May of 2010 on Spotify. Wow, that's so crazy. it's a long time off. So first album in seven years, and if you've listened to our podcast. You know, probably about this is actually what a year ago, year and a half ago. 
I was wondering, this was a long time ago that we talked about him, what, announcing that he was coming right, back? Right, yeah, that they'd been playing shows and that they were going to come out with a new album. I think it was like a year and a half ago. It was like last March. Well, the only reason I remember is I remember talking about it in your parents' basement That's where right. we recorded like the first 30 podcasts. That's right, So yeah. it was definitely a while ago. It was ago. like March, April of 2016. Yeah, right. So this album's been a long time coming. We had a taste of what would be on this. There was a few singles released at the start of the summer, uh, American Dream and Call the Police. It's finally here. What are your thoughts on this in, in general, Jake? Okay, so I feel like the, we have sort of similar experiences with LCD Sound System, except mine is even less than yours. So I've listened once or twice to Sound of Silver, and the first time all the way through today this is happening. Mm. I listened for the first time all the way through. Wow. And good thing we're uh, positioning ourselves as music et- experts. It on is this a good podcast. thing, yeah, that I'm that I'm posturing as someone who really gets it. But hey, man, you're gonna get the uh, the truth as okay. it stands. Unfiltered from me. takes, right? Like yeah, that. I'm gonna definitely come at you hot. So good. actually, that means that the album I've now listened to the most by them is American Dream. But I do feel like I have some context for what they represent in sort of the New York music scene and to indie music in general. Um, the reason I've not listened to them a ton is they've never been totally for me. I've liked some of their songs. I mean, like, All My Friends, you can't go wrong with that song. There's a lot of, uh, what's the one on This Is Happening, Uh, Dance Yourself Clean, clean. or the I Can Change. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some great, great songs. They've never, as an album band, done it for me totally for a few reasons. Their albums are really long, and I just don't totally get into that sort of dance the dancing kind like, of talk talking lyrics thing. It's sort of talking head sounding, yeah. sort of like techno sounding, sort of punk. It's never been totally my thing. I've always respected it more than I've liked it. Mm. Um, I do have to say that my my listens I've had to American Dream I've I've found pretty enjoyable. Um, I'm liking it so far. I'll continue to go back to it. I really like obviously the two singles called The Police and American Dream. Um, but I think there's other highlights on the album. What are your thoughts? Okay, so here, here's my thoughts. LCD Sound System has always been a strange band for me because I got into Sound of Silver. I bought that towards the end of high school because I heard all the acclaim about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to check this out. I'm going to give it a chance. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into with it. I wasn't ready for all the production and the dance and, and that kind of stuff. I was expecting more of a straightforward rock record and what I got was something entirely different. That being said... It kind of expanded my musical palette and got me ready to listen to a lot of other stuff as I got a little bit older. So for that, I, I thank LCD Sound System and Sound of Silver. Big shout. I'm with you where they've been a difficult full album band for me. Where I love all my friends. I love Someone Great. I love Dance Yourself Clean. I Can Change. There's always seems to be two to three knockout, great, amazing songs on all of these albums. You know, Beat Connection on the first one, Daft Punk's Playing At My House, etc. There always seems to be, like, really, really standout highlights that I enjoy. I have a hard time going back and listening all the way through, like you said, because of the super dancey talk lyric stuff. That only goes so far with me. I love the LCD sound system that goes for the emotional gut punch. That's why All My Friends is my favorite song by them. That song still gives me goosebumps when I listen to it. But some of the other stuff, just it it doesn't fall on deaf ears necessarily, but it doesn't pack the same emotional punch as some of the other big, big songs do. So going into American Dream, I was a little apprehensive because one, you know, haven't had a new album in seven years. Two, 
I don't love the the fact that you're coming back after saying you were done with that Madison Square Garden show. It opens yourself up for a lot of jokes, and your album better be fucking good if you're gonna do something like that. And I think, in fairness, it does deliver. It th- this is a, this is a very good album. It really is. This is a very good album on paper and just objectively, it's really good. I know that. Again, it falls into the trap of other LCD albums where it doesn't totally connect with me emotionally. Right. And I, I there's a disconnect. I actually think. This is probably their most consistent album all the way through. Um, I don't know if it reaches the highs of what you get on Sound of Silver or This Is Happening. I don't think it has an All My Friends or a Someone Great or a Dance Yourself Clean. There's songs, I think American Dream, Call the Police. There's a couple others on there that are very good. I don't think they're great songs that are going to be kind of generationally defining like those other ones were. That people look to and say, that is a... Great song. That's a track of the year right there. I'm stealing this take entirely, but I think it is definitely germane to the conversation. It helped me understand LCD Sound System better. So in the most recent Celebration Rock podcast, Lizzie Goodman, the author of Meet Me in the Bathroom, was on. And she knows a whole lot about LCD Sound System and James Murphy and what he's all about. I actually thought it was really, really interesting the way she explained him. She explained him as someone who's kind of like rock historian slash rock journalist slash total rock nerd Mm -hmm. turned musician. And there's a huge distinction there because for people who have that kind of analytical categorical mind trying to get creative, it's it's a different type of experience. And I, I really feel like I've always perceived that from him, that there's some sort of different, like the way he's making music isn't just... He's just this creative genius who sort of fell from the sky and just made music without any context. It is so referential yes. and smart and nerdy and you can go one of two ways with how you think about it. You can be like, wow, that's really cool. He's he's taking all of these influences and distilling it into his sound. Or you can say, you know what? I get it, dude. Your record collection is better than mine. You know more about it. Fuck you shoving this all down my throat and like basically telling me you're smarter than me. Like I get it. And that, I wonder if anyone says that about us. <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> Um, I bet they probably fucking do. Uh, but it's like, okay, dude, you are extracting any sort of imperfection or human emotion out of this expertly produced album that you need to stick all of your references into. And that is the issue for me. Some people love that. I don't care about that. It's tiring. And here's the thing. As someone who has dabbled a bit in making some of my own music. Nothing crazy, but I've like tried. I have some stuff in GarageBand and stuff like that. I feel like I get this guy now more than I ever did because I'm that way. I'm this person who like, I spend all my time categorizing me I and mean, then listen to what I'm fucking doing right now. Right, yeah. And when I go to make something like that, if I try to turn that part of my brain off and get creative, I spend so much of my time like, oh no, that's the same chords as this. Oh no, that's mm. the same melody as this. That's that's too much like this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I get too frustrated and can't finish it. I wonder if he goes through the same shit. I bet he has like a hard time actually committing and finishing shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he does. And you know, I know how analytical you are, and that actually makes sense that that would be you know something that you deal with. Well, it, just, it was interesting because it made him. James Murphy's ex- experience and the way he makes music resonate with me on a level it hadn't before. I yeah. never really totally thought about it, but I guess I always sort of felt it from him. Because yeah. you're right, it is. It's very referential. I mean, there's a song called Daft Punk is whatever, playing in yeah. my house or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and 
the other the other thing with him too is Liz, speaking of Lizzie Goodman, yeah, he has a big chunk of text taken up in her book talking about DFA records and his relationship with those guys and how he is as a person and how LCD sound system started. And that book kind of colored my view of him as well because he's not necessarily painted in the most flattering light in that book. Um, and it's funny because there's a song on American Dream called uh, How Do You Sleep? Yeah. I actually really, really like this song. And it's a, clearly a direct shot at Tim Goldsworthy, I think his name is, oh, okay. from DFA Records. Like, talking about, you know, we used to be friends or whatever. Now I can't see you. Now you're not here. Because basically what happened is they were partners at uh, Death From Above Records, started that together. James got really anal about, like, everyone's records they were trying to produce and kind of cut him out. And, you know, Tim was was doing drugs and so was James. And that's like the line on there is like, you warned me about the cocaine and then you did it or whatever. So there was all that happening. Tim ended up leaving, going back to England. Um, There's that line standing on the eastern shore or whatever. Like, that's what that's about. Oh, very interesting. Okay. Um, So that very, very referential to what happened with that relationship. But basically, they both made mistakes. They both kind of acted like assholes and... That has kind of painted LCD sound system in a different light for me where I'm like, yeah, I don't love this guy's music to begin with. And the fact that like all this stuff went down, I'm like, eh, okay, like I get what you're doing and I don't know. But it, it paints your opinion of it. It, it does. It does. Fair fair yeah. or not. Um, it's also interesting quickly that he, he calls this song How Do You Sleep when it's a shot at his old friend. Seems like a John Lennon, Paul McCartney yeah. reference. Uh, it there. probably is. I, I bet it is. Especially so, because everything from him is like a reference. Oh, right. Exactly. So Although the Beatles a little obvious there, James. Exactly. The Beatles. Exactly. I want to talk quickly about the cover of this album. Okay, because, yeah. Sean, for weeks, I would see it on Metacritic. Yep. And I honest to God thought it was a generic like a, placeholder. <laughs> placeholder, yeah. I thought it was just this like like they just had the fa- LCD sound system, American Dream, just over <laughs> like this generic stock image. Until I looked at it one day, I was like, oh no, dude, that's the cover. I, I, I think it's a pretty bad album cover. Are people afraid to say that this album cover sucks? Because everyone Are people like, afraid to say it? I think they are. Everyone's like, oh, like the infinite jest referential album cover because I guess James Murphy loves David Foster Wallace. And I think people are... Went over my head. I think people are afraid to be like that album cover sucks because it's referencing Infinite Jest which everyone knows to be this you know, great, great masterpiece. Is the reference to the book cover of Infinite Jest? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Because the book cover of Infinite Jest has like the sky but it's not that font. That font looks really generic. No, I think it's just the sky. And the font on here is terrible. But, the, but dude, like this, I, I get that, and I'm not arguing with you. I'm arguing with people who are saying it's referential. Right. The fucking sky is a reference <laughs> to everything, really. Right. It's yeah. a reference to like anything with the sky in it, which is all art for, in some ways. For for a band who have, I think, pretty cool album covers. Oh, definitely they do. In aesthetic. Outside of this, I think they kind of dropped the ball on on this album cover and this whole look. I don't really like the font, the way it's centered. The okay. Speaking of fonts, I hate the lowercase font of the uh, album name and all of the song titles. I really don't like that. 
No, I, I yeah, and I, again, I think for listeners, this is probably not the most enjoyable content, but this matters to us. It, in, it's in a, a big, big thing for me in an anal way. Um, agreed, dude. Like, don't go all lowercase. That's a lame. Lo- I think it looks. I think it look. It looks cheap. It, I don't know. It, I, I agree it, with you. I, I don't like that. Let's get off that because, like sure. you said, people probably don't care about the font. I want to talk about a couple things on the okay. album. One, I think it's the song "Other Voices." I think that there's at least there's one song on this album that may as well be a Talking head song. Yes, I completely agree. I think you're right. It is "Other Voices." I was like, oh. Oh, it's Talking Heads. It cool. sounds like he's just doing Talking yeah. Heads, um, which is fine. I kind of yeah, like it. It's not yeah. one of my favorites on the album. I actually really like um, Black Screen, the last track, even though it's 12 minutes. That's uh, cool, yeah. I kind of like the um, piano, atmospheric outro deal yep. that he's doing. I, even though I can't re- bring it to mind right now how it actually goes, I know I like Oh Baby, the first track. I really like Oh Baby, too. What do you think of Emotional Haircut? I don't it's, like it, that style of LCD song. It's like... Uh, it's Drunk Girls. It's Drunk Girls. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like that. I think it's okay. I, th- I think I like Drunk Girls better. Emotional Haircut is... Speaking of haircut, and this is a total jump ship, is there anyone on earth with more hair than James Murphy? <laughs> Dude, his beard is literally growing out of his eyeballs. It's, it's so high it's up on his face. It's fucking crazy. It and he has this like head of like thick... I, I think you're the only one who who could give him a run for his money. I have the kind of hair on my head that he has. Yeah. Like, the, where it sticks out real straight. Right. But he has, like, that thing where chest hair meets oh my neck God. hair yeah. yep. and, and beard hair. Yep. There's a picture, the Wikipedia picture of him, it's like he just has this, it probably didn't shave for a day, <laughs> and his beard is unkempt, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, it literally cakes from <laughs> from his cheekbones, his upper cheekbones, all the yeah. way down through his neck. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I'm sure a haircut is an emotional experience for <laughs> yeah. him. I bet it takes all fucking day. <laughs> it probably does. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about something. Um, Let's hear it. I think this has been brought up other places. It might have been brought up on, on Celebration Rock. I think it's been in some reviews and things, but I think it's an interesting point. Is it weird to you that LCD sound system is looked at as this titan of indie rock it, it, along the same lines as like an arcade fire or somebody in that same vein? They're like this tentpole indie act now. Yeah. And I feel like the only reason why is because they did that Madison Square Garden show and hmm. kind of postured themselves as like, we're this big act that matters. And the narrative ever since then has been LCD sound system matters. But but didn't Sound of Silver blow up? And didn't This Is Happening blow up? Weren't it, those really it, popular records? It blew up, at least from what I understand, in the way that indie records blow up. Not I don't think it was ever Arcade Fire funeral level. It was like, oh, that's a popular indie mm. release that like people know who know about that music, but it's not it didn't have like crossover Interesting. appeal. Maybe that just goes back to like James Murphy's savvy about understanding yeah. what a rock band needs to do to position themselves in that way, and it could be. Um, I guess it's weird to me in some ways that they're considered in that regard because um, I don't personally see them as that brilliant, but again, I, it might just be an issue of taste, really, because I, oh, I feel right. like a little bit unqualified to speak to, like, they don't deserve it. When I have, I don't feel I've given them as much due as I should. I haven't given them enough time. But and is I, that is that because you... 
you haven't given them enough time because you know it's not necessarily for you. It, it, it's because I don't necessarily love it. Right. But I, I guess I don't doubt that there's that audience out because, there. Because that's what I you mean. Know, is- I, I, was, I was looking at the Indie Heads Reddit, and of course the album discussion on this was like, oh my god, album of the year. This is amazing. Best album yet. All this shit. And I'm like, people lose all right, it for there's this. Some, there's some LCD sound system stands out there that are losing their shit for this. People seem to lose it for this sound. I mean, I think we even have some friends the pod and just our oh, friends. Oh yeah, and I'm sure there's people listening to this who are like, "Fuck you guys!" Like you clearly aren't on you know the same level as other fans. It's true. Like I haven't listened as much as most people who love them have. You haven't either. Yeah. So again, this is almost like that conversation with Brand New that we had a few weeks ago of like, right? I think we have more context than Brand New. Oh uh, yeah, we do. But it's like if you're tuning in to listen to this because you want some sure some takes on LCD that align with yours and they don't, like, that's, you know, can happen. Yeah, and again, like, I feel like when they were really blowing up and getting huge, I was not as, like, really tuned in yet. I was still pretty young when those first albums came out, and and so I feel like I missed a lot of that, and certainly it's not a sound that resonates resonates with me nearly as much as, like, The Strokes or even some of what Interpol did. Or, right. Uh, although I, I guess I've listened to them as much as I've listened to Interpol. I don't know. Huh. It's like... I, yeah. And it, Arctic Monkeys is a band that I've always... That stuck with me more out of that. They're not from that scene, but right. they're from that era. Right. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I think... It, I White guess, Stripes. White Stripes, Arcade Fire. Yeah. I like more, both of them. Yeah. Um, TV on the radio. Definitely. That, that whole scene. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's like... I almost feel like it's not fair for me to say that or yeah. make that kind of proclamation, yeah, but yeah. I can see it. And I think that they just don't resonate with me yeah. the same way other bands do. That being said, I actually am enjoying American Dream a fair amount, and I definitely will return to it. How, how many times have you listened to this now? Four. I've listened three, and I three like, or four. I had to be like, oh yeah, that came out. I should listen again. Yeah. Well, I, one the time I listened today was just because I was like, oh shit, it's been already a week since mm-hmm. I listened two or three times. I should maybe give yeah. it another spin because we're going to be talking about it. Um, so, yeah, I guess I don't see it entering my rotation all the time. Right. But here's the thing. This is what happened is I put it on the first time. I had a, a more positive reception to it than I expected. I actually thought it was going to be kind of a slog. I was mm. like, well, shit, it's uh, you know over an hour. Although their albums are coming out on Fridays now, so I'm always in a good mood. Yeah, Maybe that helps. So they're falling on yeah, receptive that, ears. That could help. Because I listened again at work today in a kind of stressed out mood. Yeah. And wouldn't you know it, didn't like it as much. So there you go. It's all context, I guess. It is. It is. Uh, so listeners, yeah, let us know what you think about this. I I think there's a lot of people out there who love LCD. I think there's a lot of people out there who are maybe in the middle like us. And then I think there's a lot of people who don't care or like really know who LCD Sound System is. Yeah. That, and that's what I mean about how it's weird. Like when you say Arcade Fire to the average person they've at least been like yeah like i they're like an indie rock band right if you say lcd sound system like i don't think you get that same response yeah probably not i think what what we need listeners is if you're a big fan explain to us what it is about their sound that really gets you because i feel like it's just it's a little amiss for me because if it is the genius production and the beats and everything like i get that but it's not my thing. This might be a definitely hot takey, especially granted, uh, given the fact that I explained that I haven't listened to them that much. Part of the reason I don't listen that much is I think their synth sounds are a little cornball. Interesting. Like on uh, even on Dance Yourself Clean or some of those songs, even though I like them, or uh, or uh, I Can Change, which I like. Some of those the synth sounds are a little bit over the top and almost silly. 
I actually always really like those. That's I like, interesting. I like them, but they're kind of they have this goofy sort hmm. of tone to them. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Hey, man, that's so. Yeah, listeners, get at us about LCD. What are your thoughts on them? Give us your hot thoughts. All right, let's move on to a Mount Rushmore, Jake. This um, <laughs> this actually stemmed from a thought I was having about the Beatles, basically, and how they make right. every music discussion null and void because you can just be like, "Well, the Beatles are my favorite," or "The Beatles are the best." Blah blah blah. blah. So, what I wanted to ask was, who are your favorite artists that aren't the Beatles, basically? But I frame this of, who are your favorite contemporary artists? And by that, I mean artists who came out with their first album no earlier than 2000. So, that eliminates Radiohead, because I also wanted to take out Radiohead. Yeah, it was... I wanted, I wanted to remove the Beatles, Dylan, Radiohead, all those classic staples we always talk about and be like who are your top four contemporary artists like if those didn't exist if music didn't exist pre-2000 who would you say are your four favorite artists or bands it's a really interesting exercise for me because it made me realize that while my listening habits and favorite albums if it makes sense skew towards indie rock my favorite artists overall actually skew towards hip hop, which is weird. I notice you pick that, and I yeah. feel like that has to do with just the way as artists they present, and the fact that they're these a lot of times singular, yep. um, sort of monolithic figures in yeah. music. Um, and I think that given a different week, I might do it different. But this is what I picked. I go Frank Ocean, yep. for sure for me. I, listening to Blonde lately, even more. I, that guy, I think, is genius, and I, I think. It's just definitely like he has all the elements of an artist I'm gonna love. Like, mm-hmm. there's it's sort of hooky, but it's also experimental. He does some stuff with atmosphere, and mm. um, I just love how creative that guy is. He's up there for me. Um, I'm also gonna go with Kendrick because I, every time he drops something, I think it's a, you have to listen to it, mm-hmm. and I always end up loving the albums. I went with Kanye West too because, again, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is one of my favorite albums of all time, mm-hmm. it's probably a top 10. Um, and all his other albums are like probably top 50-ish mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kanye's up there for me as well. And then I had a hard time picking between Fleet Foxes and The National. I think I'm actually going with The National mm. between that because even though Fleet Foxes' um, three albums all mean a lot to me, The National just has more material and um, I, I you can go on a kick with The National where they can just be your favorite thing for a long Absolutely. time. Absolutely. As you yep. well know, Oh, Sean, yeah. as oh you well I know. know. So, so it felt weird to me to be picking them, but the more I thought about it, I was No, like, I think that makes sense. They are like my favorite artists. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So the way that I went about this was, I think we 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 both have a list of nominations here yeah. that are all pretty similar. Yeah. I think with the exception of like one or two, we had the same exact nominations. So the way I went about this was thinking, what bands of the 20, or artists of the 21st century elicit the same type of response that I have with the Beatles. And by that, I mean, who can I listen to just all the time, no matter what, over and over again? Who can I listen to where I love all of their stuff, no matter what, and always down to listen to it? Who do I want to be talking about all the time? And who do I, who inspires this like fervor to not only just listen to their music, but also seek out interviews and books mm-hmm. and and other media about them. That is to me what makes a favorite artist. That's a fa- all of that. That's a factor for me too. So, I also nominated Kendrick Lamar, Kanye West, and Frank Ocean. I, I strongly considered including 
all of them or at least one of them. And I thought, you know what? I can't do Kanye. I don't ever really listen to College Dropout or 808s for that matter. And that so that takes it off, even though he is basically all of those other things. It's like, I don't always want to listen to those. I can't do Kendrick because I've never even listened to Section 80 or anything that comes before that. Can't really do that either. Frank is an interesting one. But if I'm thinking about Nostalgia Ultra, do I always want to go back and listen to Nostalgia? No, not necessarily. Do I? Am I like seeking out his radio show to listen just to hear him like say shit and play music? No, not necessarily. Am I always trying to seek shit out from him? No. So what I ended up settling on here was the Nationals, my clear number one. They're just my favorite active band. They have been for a while. They're easy number one. I follow John Misty on here, too. Mm-hmm. He was a nominee for that's, me. That's a dude who I always want to listen to. I want to talk about, read about, hear what he has to say. It's a, it's a good point. Even if he didn't make music, he is an interesting guy and enough to be my favorite artist. And he's one where you can make the argument for full catalog. It, full Absolutely yeah. full catalog. Fleet Foxes is my third on the Mount Rushmore here for all, basically all the same reasons. Um, always down to listen to them. Emotional highs. And then the last one I have is Arctic Monkeys, where I'm always seeking shit out from them. I'm always excited about a new release. The other thing that kind of binds all these together, too, is am I seeking out, like, B-sides and, like, unreleased songs and, like, live performances? Right. That's the case with all of these, basically. Um, Especially with the National, I have, like, a whole other playlist of unreleased National songs that I love and go back to. And that doesn't happen with a lot of these other ones, where I'm like, okay... You have your album that you're presenting to me, and I love those, but I'm not going that next level deeper and like seeking out like demos and shit like that. I do do that with a lot of these artists I have on my Mount Rushmore, so that's the way I uh, I divided it. Speaking of, of that, this just reminded me, have you seen, um, because I see a cu- couple of these on here, have you seen the video of uh, Father John Misty covering... The Suburbs, the song The Suburbs. No, I have not. It's worth watching. It's really, really good. It's just him in like a shed wow. singing it with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. It, it's awesome. He does the Father John Misty voice. Like he just sings it yeah. like he would. Right, like, right, right, it, right. It, it, it's, uh, it's really, really good. That's cool. I thought it was interesting to see how our list skewed that way. And it, it was weird because I looked at mine and as I was picking them, it almost felt wrong. But the more I thought about it, I was like, it actually is somehow right. I, I, yeah. it, it's a weird sort of... I don't know what kind of distinction my mind is making where yeah. I can't deny that I've listened to Bonnie Vare records or Vampire Weekend records in some cases more than some of those rappers yeah. or maybe it's easier for me to get into. I just feel like somehow there's this distinction where it's like favorite artist. I don't know. They, mm. Like they, they stand out for some reason. <laughs> Frank especially lately has been one if, where... If there was one I was going to pick there, it was actually going to be Frank. I almost considered saying, even though I, I don't know if it would be true, that he is just my favorite. Yeah. Even though I haven't listened to Nostalgia Ultra that much, just on the strength of Channel Orange, Blonde, Endless, and just how much I like that dude in general yeah. and like what he brings to the table, um, and how again like creative he is and all the just experimentation he brings out and how many different avenues he's willing to explore in his music, mm-hmm. he just feels like the guy where if he were dropping something tomorrow with all the singles he's been putting out, I'm always really excited. I always right. look forward to listening to them. Um, he could even be my favorite. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. And I feel like in some ways that's not true, but right now it feels sort of right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I can totally see. You that. gotta follow your heart, Sean. You do, you absolutely do, especially in cases like these. Yes. Other nominees I had Arcade Fire, Bonnie Vare, obviously Frank, Kanye, and Kendrick, Tallest Man on Earth, Vampire Weekend. 
Frightened Rabbit was a big one there. And the only reason why they didn't get on is because they have one or two early, early albums that I've only listened to once or twice and I've never wanted to go back to. But they're another one where I'm like, ooh, EPs, B-sides, like that kind of shit yeah. where I'm seeking that out. So, uh, But yeah, that's my four. National, Father John Misty, Fleet Foxes, Arctic Monkeys. Very cool. So we have a pretty another... white bread right there. Well, it's all right because I made up for it by posturing as this big rap <laughs> fan. So that's fine. That's fair. Um, so we have another segment here. We're doing trim the fat today. Yes. Uh, we haven't done this one in maybe a month. It's been a while it's since a while. we've explored this segment. Today we thought we'd take a look at what is, I think, in some ways, Radiohead's most confounding release, especially to us, based on when it came out in our lives mm. and sort of how we came to listening to it. And that's Hail to the Thief. Um, I think you could also argue that um, The King of Limbs is their most confounding release, although yeah. that is a very brief album and would not be a candidate for Trim the Fat. Nope. So Hail to the Thief is what, 54, 55 minutes? 56 minutes. So, so usually our, our, our sort of watermark is 50 minutes that we cut stuff down to. For the sake of this, let's do 45 because it, it gives yeah. us more of a challenge. Here's the other challenge, Sean, is that Hail to the Thief has weird, weird song names. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not confident I'm going to remember all of them. No, that's the thing. No matter how many times I seem to listen to this album... I don't know the track names. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to listen to it and be like, oh, yeah. Didn't we do this, though? So when we did Trim the Fat on uh, Life of Pablo, yeah. there was a few songs we just on there we had, to, we had to remind ourselves on. So we might have to do the same thing again. Um, so let's start off. So we're going to do 45 minutes, correct? Yeah. Okay. We're at 56 right now, 14 tracks. Do you have one where you're like, yep, that's the first one to go? I mean, just looking at it is like, because I'm looking through the track list, is like Scatterbrain one. That's the one I don't even remember what it is. Uh, let's play it. Let's see what it is. It's, it's I, so hard with Radiohead, man, because this is beautiful. I know. Already. This could be one of the ones, though. This might be a candidate, to be honest with you. I think it's a, it's That's a, a candidate. candidate. Ooh, That's but it has candidate. that next part that goes like this. And a candidate. It's a candidate. Here, okay, here, here's what we're going to do. Basically, tracks where we're like, wait, how does that go? Is we'll are going to be the candidates. ones where we're like, ah, oh, it's a candidate. What, what, what is Backdrifts all about? I, I was going to suggest that one, too. Oh, no, this is a cool song. This is a very cool song. Because uh, uh, it... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool song. Uh, what about Go to Sleep? Ah, this one's cool too. There's a lot of really good songs on here. Okay, um, here's a question for you. Punch Up at a Wedding? No, that's a great song. That's a is great, it? great song. Yeah. At least I think it is. Yeah, yeah with that like, funky yeah. bass in yeah. it. You don't get that side of Radiohead very no. often either. What about The Gloaming? I I, had, I took a look at that one too. This feels like maybe a cut. <laughs> this, this We're also not giving it a chance. This belongs on King of Limbs. It does. It's the gloaming. It's a good song, but let's, like okay, the gloaming and scatterbrain. Let's put those as okay, candidates. Okay. What are we at? Because this so is hard. that will take. It is hard. The gloaming's gone. Challenge. Scatterbrain's gone. I think what we're learning here is this this album actually doesn't need to be trimmed. Not very much. much. Maybe we just trim it to fifty. No, we don't. We're down to forty nine minutes. Okay. Twelve songs, forty nine. Maybe is that? Well, it, it, let's see. If, let's see. Definitely not two plus two equals five. No. Definitely not. 
How does Sit Down Stand Up go? It's a good song. Let's let's hear it a little bit. Sit down. So far, a lot of a lot of beep boops. Okay. And this song is pretty cool. Is it maybe a candidate? I mean, let's look at the rest of the list and say, what's is this song better or worse than Sit Down Stand Up? Let's do that. Okay. Okay. Sail, Sail to the, the Moon, moon is, is maybe the best track on here. Sail to the Moon is one of my Sail favorite. Sail to the Moon is nude before nude was nude. It's one of my favorite Radiohead songs. I hope Back... that makes sense to listeners. Yeah, I'm That's sure like a top ten Radiohead song. Backdrifts, what we just talked about that, right? This is, one's pretty is, cool. ba- is Backdrifts better than Sit Down Stand Up? I feel like that's they're a, close. It's a they're, tough they're call. Like right there. What go, about go to sleep. Go to sleep that's is like, like the acoustic, acoustic one. We could I hunt think, and pick that one because it doesn't fit with the sound of the album. Oh, that's true. Okay, so that's three right there. Where I end and you begin. Oh no, this one's really cool because it, it does this cool thing at the end. Wait. This thing in the background. Oh yeah. The vocals. That's a cool song. Oh, yeah. All right, maybe we have to go with... Um, I feel like it's it's going to be between like probably Backdrifts, right? And, yeah, and Sit Down, Stand Up. Yeah, should we try Backdrifts? Where does that get us? That take That's a 5 minute 23 song. That takes us down to 44 minutes, 11 songs. There you go, a manageable so, listen. There we go. We, we only got rid of three alive. songs. That's not yeah. bad. It's not bad. That feels like our cheapest, like worst trim the fat so far. For some reason, I always thought that this was a lot longer than it was. Yeah, it's it, it, not that long an album, really. It's definitely long for Radiohead. Um, and I think what the, the tough thing about it is, is it's like there's not that many memorable track names. No. And so you listen to it and you're like, it's also an album where the songs make sense in the context of the record. Right. So when you're listening to them, you're like, this fits, this is nice. I always, they always sort of flow in and out and to sort of pun my way into this I don't know where some start and where some end you know right. what I mean or where some that's, begin and where some clever. end clever here's our final track list it's 11 songs 44 minutes we start off we still have 2 plus 2 equals 5 yeah sit down stand up sail to the moon then we go to go to sleep where I end and you begin we suck young blood they're there which is another highlight on this album yes it is I will a punch up at a wedding Mixomatosis. Which can't get cut. No. Because there's an amazing riff. And, and uh, A Wolf at the Door, which is like my third favorite song on Yeah, here. I was going to say, because at first I looked at the track list and I was like, is A Wolf at the Door a candidate? And I realized, I like, no, no, that's one of the best songs on the album. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, dance, dance you fucker, fucker dance you fucker. fucker. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a cool song. So, listeners, let, let us know what you thought of that because I think <laughs> that was <laughs> kind of garbage. I think we kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Yeah, we did. Well, We'll be back. Are you confident enough in Sandinista to do Sandinista? I'll give it another listen and we can try it. What are we going to try to cut Sandinista to? 50 minutes. 50 minutes? 50 minutes. I think we're just going to cut all of like side six. All of the dub. Yeah, the dub songs. Yeah, agreed. Um, Last set. Oh, did you have a two truths and a lie? I don't. Oh, you don't? I don't. Um, We'll We'll be back with that soon, too. Recommendations of the week. So I've got actually... Two. One is just listen to the band or the artist, Boards of Canada. Mm. Um, I listen to their record for like the second or third time, Music Has the Right to Children, 
really, really good. They also have the EP that came out around the same time, which its title escapes me. I can't remember what it's called. It's considered one of the best. EPs something of all out time. in the country or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Somewhere beautiful in the country. In a beautiful place out in the country. There you go. Yeah. Um, they do some really, really cool stuff in terms of like atmospheric, electronic, experimental music. Definitely worth checking out. The other thing, and we've referenced this on the podcast a couple times, it's the New Celebration Rock podcast yep. episode uh, with Lizzie Goodman about sort of partially about James Murphy and LCD Sound System, also partially about the New York City um, music scene of the 2000s. Probably better LCD takes than what we had, but that's okay. Uh, my recommendation of the week, I've been very, very busy at work, and when I'm very busy and need to focus, I listen to ambient music, and I've gotten way, way into Ambient 2, uh, The Plateau of Mirror. It's the second album in Brian Eno's ambient series that he wanted to do. And really, I didn't know this until this week is he actually wanted to pass it off to other ambient artists to do and he would kind of produce and help out with because isn't the third one with another artist it too? is yeah it's it's uh yeah the third one's with another one uh this one is harold budd uh oh, budd. he is kind of a minimalist piano ambient kind of guy harold budd is the guy he did the pearl with right and the pearl the that's Pearl's the other really one i've been listening to the pearl is fantastic both of these are great and I was listening to this and uh, Ambient 2, and the last track on here is called Failing Light. And I was like, wait a minute, what does this sound like? I was like, oh, this sounds like shit Trevor Powers was doing on the second Youth Lagoon record, Wonders Wonders Bug Bug House. House. And I was like, like, he had to be influenced by this. So I just did a quick Google search for Harold Budd, Trevor Powers, Youth Lagoon. And there was a bunch of results. He was doing interviews. He's like, I've been getting into Harold Butt a lot. I was like, oh. yes. That was a very cool connection to make that felt like a adult music yeah. kind of thing to connect. Dude, making Harold Bud connections. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. uh, that's a good ear, Sean. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, I, I It's interesting to me that... It feels like a running trend that in Hot Thoughts we do like these rock albums, in some cases that we don't really love as much as we feel we should. What always finds its way to our recommendations of the week is ambient jazz and electronic. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? I think it's because they're they're difficult to speak about in a way other than in this context. And we can just sort of like give it a try because it's worth it. Right, and I think it's an easy out for us to be like, here's this thing that like... Yeah, we're liking. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like if I were a listener, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm getting from that, but I always do it too. Every I just did it with Boards of Canada. Yeah. Every, I feel like every time I have a recommendation... And it's, it's at the end. It's one of these albums. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Right. I, think, I just think it's interesting. I wonder what it says about what we actually want to be listening to in a Freudian sense. Yeah, or what it, we want it to appear we're listening to. Even mm. though I did listen to this album just on repeat all day on on Tuesday or well, Wednesday. And like when you're busy, like again, like Kelly Lee Owens is an album like yeah. that. Or when I'm reading, yeah, I like music to drown out other sounds, yeah. and I go atmospheric, yeah. ambient, electronic, yeah, all the way, yep. Absolutely. Jazz sometimes, although it can be a little erratic. Can be, yeah, it depends on the the jazz album, but yeah, check these out. Really good stuff, especially like like we said, if you're trying to focus, you're trying to get some work done. Boards of Canada is good for that too. They're very good. Very although good there's some that. there's some lyrical elements. Sure, yeah, and it's like there's one song I think it's Aquarian or Aquarius where they're just saying orange over and over, <laughs> right. and they're like counting up from one to thirty, and then it's actually really yeah, funny because yeah. there's this voice where she like starts saying random numbers like forty two. 76, and then it like clearly glitches. She's like 60, 10, <laughs> six, 
and it like stops. Yeah. It's actually really, really funny. There's another one too. It's like that same female voice. I can't remember if it's on the EP or if it's on the album. And it's talking about like, fuck, what is it? It's like political uprising or something oh, like that. Oh, that's or near like, the end of the album. I yeah, f- what I'm, is that? Well, there's one where it's a voice that's like, um, don't give in basically to censorship. Yes, yeah, send, yeah, that's what that's what it it's is. It's the yeah, second yeah, to last yeah. track. I knew something to do with like book burning. Yeah, it's the second to last track off Music Has the Right to People or Children. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, also, Roy G. Biv is such a fucking oh, good song. Great song. By them. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. beat is awesome. And yep. like that little, that deep synth that underlies the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. have like that little, hey, sound, <laughs> yeah. that like yeah. voice. It sounds like the little thing that talks to you in the Ocarina of Time. Um, big shout to <laughs> Nintendo 64. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. episode getting ready for a new nfl season yeah uh <clears throat> no more thrones thoughts jake we're, we're this is our first pre-show in a while that isn't thrones thoughts yeah, it's a little more casual um i guess it's a little bit of a relief yeah the uh, the pressure to deliver good thrones thoughts became a lot because what ended up happening was every week was was we ended up having to be on for like an hour and a half hour 40 yeah, it was a lot of podcasting it was too much podcasting I think I'm gonna go was, close those windows fill the bus it was fun me. to do but I think it was a little too much podcasting I'm glad we're back to the normal pre-show bullshit that we can do <clears throat> and speaking of that NFL is back Patriots start tonight the night we're recording Thursday September 7th um, Jake are you excited for Football to be back. Where is your headspace at in terms of the NFL? Because over the last couple years, my interest has waned. I'm back. My interest. Great has... timing by Sean. No big deal. Yeah, I, I, you were filling with as many sentences as you could before I got back. It was great. It was actually something to behold. Uh, my interest has waned as well. Um, I, I'm still always a little excited when the first Thursday night game rolls oh, around. Sure, when the when you like. You know, you get those butterflies when the first hit happens and the first sub-concussive event occurs. You can't help it. You can't help it. It's 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 fall. It's football season. It's actually not fall Football's yet. Football's family. Football is family. Um, I am definitely excited, but it's a more muted kind of excitement. I, In some ways, because I feel ethically opposed in ways to the NFL as I oh, wore a New England one, Patriots yeah. shirt. Um, I, yeah, I wore one earlier. And it's a cognitive dissonance because I won't stop supporting it. Right. But I don't really like it as right. an organization or like an entity. Um, also, I just, it's a more muted excitement because that's just what happens when you get older about everything you love. I think that's also what happens when you've been the toast of the league for almost two decades and like there's no more mountains to climb, there's no more peaks to, yeah. to get to. It's just like, okay, well, we can just maintain our greatness. Yeah. That's not as fun as scratching and climbing to, Dude, to get to the mountaintop. The, the, the phrase, the toast of something. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it I'm glad you dropped that. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. It's like with the Patriots. 
again, this is this is a very hateable conversation because oh, yeah, we're hateable guys. We are. I mean, because at least with the Beatles, when we talk about them and we suck them off, <laughs> I got a point about the Beatles in a second. Oh, is it, do you not like them now? No, 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 no. Because even now, like with them, if people think like, oh, they agree too much on that, it's like, well, at least you could you generally like them. I wouldn't expect anyone to anything <laughs> less than hate the Patriots no. for all the reasons. No, you should. You should hate them. I would if I were you. I would too. The only reason why I don't is because we grew up with them and we live in this area. My point about the Beatles, um, I, I found this podcast called Fuck It, Let's Just Talk About the Beatles or Screw It, let, Let's Just Talk About the Beatles or something. Oh. Um, so I was like, ooh, this sounds cool. I looked at their feed. They had an episode about dreaming the Beatles. I downloaded it. I started listening before I came here. I'm about 25 minutes in. They have like four people on, two men, two women. And um, the women did not like Rob Sheffield's book at all. Really? They were like, he disregards like the female perspective of being a Beatles fan. And it Mm. really turned me off. I didn't think about it from that perspective. Um, I can see it, I guess. But also at the same time... It's his perspective. Like, yeah, it's like it's basically <clears throat> essays. But if that's your reason for being turned off, fair enough. Yeah, sure. I can't. I can't necessarily say. I don't know if this is going to be a podcast. I like. It seems sort of humorless and like. Oh. Um. Where? Who produces it? I. It's just like this dude. I don't even really know. It. It was asks, enough. Asks the guy who produces a podcast <laughs> that is not produced by anyone except <laughs> I, him and a friend. I, I, I like. I it was high enough in just the music top chart. It was above Celebration Rock. Really? Yeah. Maybe Celebration should... Rock was surprisingly low. Well, I think it has kind of a more niche following. Than but anyway, so I, sort of. I'm not loving rock. it so far, and mm. I'm it partly because I disagree with the critique of it. The two guys loved the book; they thought it was great, but they're not defending it in any sort of way yet, and not there. So what has started to happen is that thing where. When someone dislikes something, even if you like it, to almost appease them, you kind of are you start about to no no you start to also be like yeah I can see that and there was this other thing I didn't like so oh. they've started to even nitpick before they've even really like talked about it or like said why they like it so I'm a little turned off by it right now I, it's an hour and a half and I have another hour to go of this so I consumed that book in like <laughs> two and a half weeks off Fortnite, and on yeah didn't take long. For me especially, it didn't take long because I'm notorious for just flat out not finishing books. Um, I thought it was really great. Although it was like, for me it was like easy read because you pick it up and it's just like I want to keep going. I thought there was some really good tidbits about each of the Beatles in there. Oh, I agree. I agree. Their main critique was basically like, oh, this isn't like other Beatles books where it's not just a retelling of history or something. It's more of like... Why would you want another one of those? I, I don't know. It, well, the guys actually did say that like I liked that it just seemed to be like, oh, you like the Beatles? I like them too. Let's talk about it forever. And I was like, yeah, that's what I like about it. The The women on the podcast did not seem to like that. They were. It was almost like Rob Sheffield was mansplaining the the Beatles to them, which they in their in their defense said, this is what I've dealt with my entire life is just people not believing I'm an, I'm a Beatles fan or like quizzing me to test my my Beatles merit. And she said it's always coming from guys. So I think there's a little built in defensiveness with that where I can see if you come across his book, you're probably getting flashbacks of that. I get that. I get that. I mean, he was and he has that talk about like. Like he kind of explains or talks about different girls in his life as this is a George girl, she was yeah. a Paul girl, yeah. but he also calls people Paul boys or George yeah. John boys. Right. 
I'm not a, I'm not comfortable with the words girl and boy, but that's beside the point. Um, he used that a lot. What's that? He used girl and boy a lot. A lot, book. and yeah. I don't like those words. Yeah. I don't, Why is that? Because I don't totally either. It just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I, especially boy. <laughs> like I just they're just words that make me uncomfortable. Like he's like I'm I was a Paul boy. I was like, dude, you are a grown man. <laughs> Is what you are, but that's beside the point, and so is Paul. But um, that that book was awesome. And Sean, the part you told me about about Paul being in a Japanese prison, yeah. is maybe one of the funniest fucking yes. things I've ever read about I any Beatle. Believe that was his his response to like the the way he was like, well, of course it was hell, <laughs> but I mostly remember the good bits. Like, dude, that's like so, what? Like what, dude? Like I can only imagine. Like that the, you weren't dead. Like this Japanese prison, what it could have been like. I, I thought that book was awesome. Any Beatles fan should read it. And the chapter in there about Strawberry Fields is maybe the best chapter in the book. And it, I think you said it at the time, and I agree with you. It's one of the best things I've ever read about that song. Yeah. yeah. Or about yeah. Um, because the misconception I always had was like that was the start of John pulling away from the Beatles. Sheffield, um, what's the word? Argues. That that's actually when he was most in mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. in love with being a member of the band mm-hmm. and most needed the other guys. Yep. So yep. interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, it really is. One final point before we get started, <clears throat> I think Father John Misty, Pure Comedy, has held off the the War on Drugs onslaught for album of the year. Really, it has held it off. It has held strong. Did you listen again? I have not listened again for like a month, but. I just know it's still my album of the year right now. So it's just a gut feeling. It's a gut gut feeling. Hmm. Yeah. I, I have not listened to Father John Misty in a few months. I'd say it's 15th on my list at mm, this point. No, mm, I'm just kidding. Okay. It's probably Good. still number one. Um, War on Drugs is probably a top five, top three. Yeah. Top five, top five, top five. Um, <laughs> yeah. But That's we'll where it's at for me, too. Um, we'll see where it ends up. The National, I, I'm calling it, it's going to be my album of the year. It, it probably just will. Like <laughs> before you, even hear I, it. I just, it probably will. All signs point to it will. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, and it could be for me too. I Maybe not. It, Maybe it'll be like eighth. I rank it thirtieth. No, I don't know. Um, also, the Celebration Rock podcast this week with Lizzie Goodman made me really, really want to read "Meet Me in the Bathroom." Oh yeah, you can borrow that if you want. I will after I finish seventeen seventy six, which I'm forty pages in. Um, leisure reading is big for me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that I've stemmed the tides yeah. of, of homework, <clears throat> I'm done with that. And so it's been nice to be able to actually dedicate time to reading. She is awesome, dude. Yeah, and she her is. Her interview yeah. with Haydn, first of all, she ran circles around him in terms of knowledge about, I mean, granted, she wrote like a tome about this exact subject. Um, she was so knowledgeable. Any listeners, give this this podcast a mm. listen. The most recent episode of Celebration Rock. It's, yeah. it's worth it. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, are you ready to dive in? Yeah, I think so. <coughs> um, All right. Yeah. Are we doing... Uh, we're going to do Trim the Fat? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do We'll do Hot Thoughts. This actually will probably be a pretty short episode. Yeah, hot Thoughts, Rushmore, Trim the Fat. This will be an interesting test for me with Hell of the Thief because I feel like it's one where there's definitely a few in the middle where I don't totally remember the song names. It could be tough. Because they're really... It's also maybe not as long as we remember, too. Should we maybe check now how long it is before? (laughs) Because I feel like it's just over 50, maybe. I think it is. (laughs) If if that's the case, we maybe don't want to do it. Uh, Let's see, let's see, let's see. Have we cut Blonde on Blonde yet? It's 56 minutes. Yeah, we did Blonde on Blonde. So that's like two tracks by Radiohead. I don't no. know if that's that if that one could amend the rules to be like forty five minutes in this case, but we could. 
We already did Blonde on Blonde? We did. Oh, yeah, we ended up cutting, like, side four. Yeah, we cut a lot. We did, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, let's just try it. Whatever. Okay. Fuck it. Okay. I'll have to pull up the track list. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. 